0: Pedrosian
1: throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it. Throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have pipped on in. The Giants have won the pennant. Brad, it is 2021. Happy New Year, my friend.
2: How are you doing on this uh, Monday afternoon? I'm good and Happy New Year to you, too, man. That was... Uh... I don't really remember what happened in 2020. It (laughs) seems so long ago, but... uh, uh, I, it's over and we are in 2021. Uh, not a lot feels different so far, <laughs> but uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to some baseball at some point in the next couple of months and some real baseball on the field. Uh, and then I think at that point, you know, you get the, the whole spring of 2021 and I think things are going to start to look up and feel a lot better by then. That's what I'm kind of hoping.
1: Well, I will say that uh, New Year's was quite different. New Year's Eve was quite different than normal. And, you know, just out of just out of like this year was too weird. I'm not even going to watch Ryan Seacrest on dick clark's uh new year's rock and eve or whatever they call that show how can you do that show in a pandemic like <laughs> so i just was anti i was like nope i'm not even i'm not even turning it on i'm not even watching the uh the the clock go to uh, midnight so I, I i completely avoided everything i forgot what it i think i was uh maybe i was like Playing video games with my kids or something. I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> um, but don't yeah, remember, so that was
2: only three days ago.
1: I know. I know these <laughs> last these last few days have been have been uh, pretty tiring here. So because because I'm I've been off. Oh, so okay. my my clock is a little bit different. I haven't. I, I will go back to work on Wednesday. But uh, but yeah, since uh, the 23rd was our last day in the office, so I took a couple extra days. But yeah, I'll be back Wednesday.
2: No man, I only took two full days off during this the the holidays here because again working from home and and you know a little bit different for my work uh we're not in as long as we're not in trial uh you know my my work is a little bit slower but you know still and during the holidays it's always slow so it was kind of a perfect combination of everything but yeah yeah no and you know it's 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 good
1: that you're able to do that because i still talk to people who are like yeah you know my my job makes me go in one or two days a week. I'm not even sure why. It's almost like some of these companies, they just don't trust their employees or something.
2: <laughs> you know, and that could be it. And and luckily with ours, they pretty much look at it as like, hey, you're getting a lot of work done and probably more at home than you would in the office. So go for it. So it, it's been really nice. That, that's been the nice part of it. But, you know, someday we'll see people again, I guess. I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm good either way. As long as I've got baseball, I don't really care what else happens for that. Yeah, because of my commute, I lose like three
1: hours every day just commuting. Oh <laughs> gosh. So you know, Ooh. when I do work from home, I'm I'm on earlier. I'm, you know, working l- later because I'm not tired from commuting. So it, yeah, it's right. better. It's better. But I mean, I get it. You you know, there's still a chemistry standpoint. So
2: oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, we again, this is we're at that time of the year where the news is not coming hot off the presses, but there is some stuff to talk about. Uh, The Giants are supposedly in the mix for a Japanese pitcher who is coming over to the U.S. And I think he is actually here in the U.S. And and they are there's a deadline of of, uh, a few days from now, as far as when he needs to figure out what he's going to do, correct?
2: That is correct. Yeah. They've, uh, so Tomoyuki Sugano, who's a uh, uh, Japanese born pitcher, has pitched the last eight years in the NPB, which is the Japanese league. So uh, They consider it just a step above A. So you see a lot of guys who have come over like Ichiro, uh, Kenta Maeda, uh, Masahiro Tanaka. A lot of those players have come over, mostly pitchers. Um, and really shined here in the United States in the Major Major League Baseball Um, because the competition that they face over there is pretty close to what they would face over here. Um, And he's pitched eight years over there and uh, pretty much decided he's kind of done most of what he can do uh and so in the um transfer i i'll I'll call it a transfer window that's very soccer of me to say but Mm -hmm. you know like so so somebody will get posted uh from a league like that and they'll be posted for 30 days uh and then you can have negotiations with that player in those 30 days. And that 30 days is up on the 7th of January. So if you're listening to this after the 7th of January, we know what's already happened. Um, he can go back to the Yomiuri Giants, which is who he has played for his entire career. Uh, or, uh, from what I've heard, it's been kicked around a four-year deal to play here in the United States. Uh, the San Francisco Giants are one of those teams who are in on him, uh, along with the Toronto Blue Jays, Boston Red Sox, Texas Rangers. Uh, Mets just pulled out today as we're recording this, so they are not in it anymore. Um, but I think that what I've heard is kicked around his four-year deal with a an option after the end of each year to opt out and go back to japan and play for the Yomiuri giants so pretty interesting um you know such a he's a great pitcher uh and uh, the giants could look at him really as a number one almost um, probably a number two and in, in some of the you know more stacked teams, I think he'd be a two or a three, but he's got a, a, a low 90s fastball, slider, forkball change, uh, more like a Quato type of pitcher. So would be interesting to see, and we've just got a couple days left to go. So I looked
1: at his stats in the uh, Japanese league. He, I mean, he, he did strike guys out, but it wasn't the the type of strikeouts that we see that teams are really paying for. Right now, he wasn't averaging like ten strikeouts per nine innings. He was, you know, he was, he was in in some years he was one strikeout an inning, and in others he was probably closer to like seven per nine or something. But uh, that that's one thing that I was kind of wondering about because you said he is a little bit like Cueto, and you wouldn't necessarily call Cueto a power pitcher or a strikeout pitcher. He's more just a, a really smart pitcher with, with you know great control
2: and could put the ball wherever he wanted. So is that more what he is? I believe so. And and they said that, you know, you look at uh, Cueto's control and then you add a little bit for Sugano. Um, so he's, he is a really good control pitcher. Uh, I had read an article, too, where there were some, sometimes when he was in the, uh, he did pitch in the World Baseball Classic uh, against the United States team. Jim Leland was the manager of the United States team at the time, completely impressed. He said his control of his slider is so ridiculously good that there were some 3-0 count that he got into and he threw the slider to get a strike I mean that's you don't see that very often uh again, different league um you know one one note is though that in the two thousand thirteen season I don't know what other season he did play with uh a guy named john Bowker mm. so bowker mania, so, so he got a taste of that uh over there but uh <laughs> but yeah, so it, you know it's pretty interesting they play. Let me do some quick math. Uh, 100, about 100, 137 games uh, is the Japanese league season. So about 30 games less than what we get. So you are going to see some numbers a little bit lower when you look at their numbers. But yeah, he uh, I think his um, uh, Sugano's uh, career-high strikeouts in the season is 200. Um, which is still fantastic for the type of pitcher that he is. Um, and, you know, in the Japanese Baseball League uh, over there, they've got a lot of really good contact hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite. They're not the power-
1: swinging in for the fences. Necessarily, no, not like The all. guys They're- in the U.S.
2: <laughs> exactly. They're more like the Ichiro uh, prototype of player where they put the bat on the ball. I mean, that's what, you know, you put the bat on the ball, good things happen. And that's that's. Been a philosophy you know here in, in the united states in the you know 60s 70s 80s and then all of a sudden you know chicks dig the long ball mm-hmm. so you beef up and you hit home runs and everything changed but uh regardless when you look at his walks per nine did you happen to look at those numbers those were pretty ridiculous over his career mm-hmm. um eight years in the npb and And his walks per nine look like this, 1.9, 2, 2. 2.1, 1.3, 1.5, 1.6, 2.1, and 1.6. And he keeps the ball in the yard. His highest home runs per nine was 1.3. He had a rough season in 2019. Um and that was the year he set his record for walks per 9 and home runs per 9 but bounced back last year. Last year he went 14 and 2 with a 1.72 ERA. Um so he really did bounce back big but usually his home runs per 9 are, are well under 1, uh more in the half uh home run per 9 range. So uh his walk, his walks
1: per 9 w- w- was like uh
2: Jonathan Sanchez's walks yeah. per three—that's <laughs> <laughs> about right. <laughs> you get the anti-Jonathan Sanchez with this guy.
1: <laughs> so what is what is the scuttlebutt? Do do you think the Giants are close, or are they just one of the three or four? Because I, I remember when uh, Otani was—you um, know—he he was kind of the—he he was the bell of the ball. And then there were like three teams who were kind of in the mix, but there was really only one team that he wanted to come to, which was the Angels.
2: Yeah. And you know what? I would not be surprised if the Angels swooped in and did their thing. That's just kind of what they do. Plus, they have Otani. Otani can, you know, kind of let him know, hey, this is what it's like to play in Anaheim in the Los Angeles area. Um, He did mention that he does want to play for a large market team. But the Mets did pull out. That's the largest market you can get. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays are heavy on him. They are really pushing uh, Toronto. Where Blue Where are Jays, they
1: even going to play this year?
2: Well, and that's the thing. And that's another thing that that was brought up. I watched a Peter Gammon's um, uh, video piece the other day on on MLB Network. And he had mentioned, too, where are they going to play? And you're still in a pandemic. And you still you know have to travel across the border and quarantine for 10 days. And it's... Um, a lot more difficult in Canada right now, uh, so they're kind of wondering if maybe that takes them out of it. Um, San Francisco has always been a pretty nice destination for the Japanese players. Uh, we talked we had,
1: about uh, Masanori Murakami the other day, exactly the, the other day, the, like uh, like probably I don't know two months <laughs> ago or something.
2: Two months ago, yeah, was we the first Japanese player in the in the major leagues played for the San Francisco Giants. Um, there's a large Japanese population in San Francisco. Uh, could kind of feel like a second home to him, possibly. Uh, but you know, and the Giants are are one of those teams too that's up and coming. They're looking at his salary and they're kicking around the numbers again. These are all guesses. Uh, we won't really know for a couple more days. Maybe even tomorrow we'll know. Uh, we we could know early, but uh, they're kicking around the salary of, of anywhere from eight to eleven million per year. Hmm. Well, that's a bargain if you're looking at a guy like Bauer and then you go, well, we can maybe get Sagano over here. And then if a bidding war comes up, maybe it goes instead of four years, it goes to five years. But then you also have to deal with the opt out clause after every season. Is he homesick after one season? Mm -hmm. Does he now want to go home? And then that's it. Now you've got to go look for somebody else. Uh, But then again, you know, for the Giants pitching staff, Cueto's gone after this year. Gosman, we don't know. He's on a one-year deal. Uh, and Hopefully,
1: he'll be he'll have a few more years added on to that at some point.
2: Yeah, exactly. And DiScalafini is is probably you know he's a one-year deal also. So you got to look at all these guys and say, well, you know, the Giants don't have a you know, really a starter and maybe BD, but we have to see what he does after his Tommy John surgery. Um, and then you've also got to look at what does Logan Webb do? Does he bounce back from last season? Does he advance, uh, Sean, um, I'm going to screw it up and Higel. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, was, <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the six Sh- foot 10 guy. Exactly. So Sh- Sean had He, um, you know, he was in rookie ball two years ago uh, and there was no season last year for him to play in. Uh, but, you know, his 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 target date was 2021, but I'm sure that's probably changed. But you never know. I mean, you can get halfway through the season. He could be dazzling in double A AA or triple A and, and they bring him up and get him a couple of starts. But but again, really, after this season, your starting pitching staff is, is very thin uh, unless they can get Gossman locked up. So you got to look at it that way, too, and say, well, here we can get kind of a bargain guy who's really good and has played eight years already in, in professional baseball. Uh, that doesn't come along every day. So that's why I think more than the Giants, Blue Jays, Rangers, Red Sox, there, there's going to be some other teams that are going to be popping in there. Mm-hmm. Imagine.
1: Do you think we should get Shoshi Shinjo on the mm. phone? Give him, a, give him a few... Uh, uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? You think he, I, he enjoyed his time with the Giants? I, I was about
2: to say, I don't know how <laughs> much he really enjoyed his time with the Giants. Uh, did he like it in New York better? You know, playing for the Mets? I don't know. It's, yeah. it's hard to say. Uh, he never really caught on with the Giants. I liked the guy. He was fun to watch. Too. I yeah. mean, he was, he was a blast. But yeah, I don't... He was entertaining uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, we also had Aoki. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it maybe had, he, he seemed like he had a little bit of a better time with the Giants than, uh,
1: than Shinjo. We, al- we also had a couple of Japanese-Americans and Travis
2: Ishikawa and Atlee Hamaker. Right. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I mean, they can make a pitch. Yeah. But I, I, I you know what? I would imagine the Giants are pitching the city. You know, not not so much the ball club, not so much, you know, and of course, the ball club and what, they, what it is they're doing, and, you know, how it is they're advancing and how he's going to be a bigger part of the overall
1: plan when they they're able to uh, shelve uh, a lot of the salary that they currently have on the on the books.
2: Well, and the other thing, too, is, you know, if he's felt like he's done his time in, in Japan and, and done all he can, should I say, then, and, and he decides he wants to come over here for a challenge. Right, the Giants are a pretty good team to latch onto because you want to challenge. You're going to face the Dodgers lineup, the Padres lineup. You're going to go into Colorado and have to pitch there. So it's not an easy division. It's not a cakewalk. Um You know, the Yankees aren't looking at him. The Mets aren't looking at him anymore. So you're not, you're not going to be playing in the biggest market are the Dodgers. I have not heard. I have not seen their name come up. Um, but again, you know, we're two days out and he's here in the United States and met with his um Agent over the weekend, so things are happening. So uh, it could be in, in a day or two. It could be tonight. Who knows?
1: And uh, you, you had uh, you had actually reminded me of this, but this would make an all right-handed giant staff.
2: <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> it would, and I don't know <laughs> if that's something. I mean, we'd have to go back and really look. When is when is the last time the Giants have done have have started the season with an all right-handed staff? Um, when was the last time any team started with an all right-handed staff got far into the season and were successful? I don't know. I mean, that was, that's that's something interesting to look up. Uh, I sh- I'm sure it can be done, uh, especially if you play in a division with heavy right-handed lineups. But but the Dodgers can can. Throw nine guys yeah. batting left-handed. At they, you. they they could, and they got some switch hitters, and, and I mean, so there's so many things that can be done with that lineup. Uh, the Padres they've got some some uh, you know bashing left-handers. So you know it, you're gonna have to you go into a three or four game set with a team, and you've got all right-handers going. But but again, if we if this is anything like it was last year, our starters going to be going more than five. So then you're going to be into the bullpen after two rounds through the lineup uh, and then facing bullpen guys. So lefty right and the Giants got some pretty good lefties in the bullpen. So, you know, it's it's it's, it would be interesting. I would be uh, I would like to see that. I think it'd be kind of fun to start. And and the one thing that I I don't know how he would
1: see this because obviously he's he doesn't play in the U.S. yet, but the Giants, the, the pitching scientists they they have a reputation of uh you know really really developing guys and, and so not, not to say that they would need to really touch him if, if he continues you know that but if, if there was an issue or if he struggled early on or if there was some adaptability thing Having those guys with their reputation, I would assume, would be really helpful.
2: Well, and he doesn't seem to be against something like that either. Because after the 2019 season, where he struggled a little bit—I say struggled a little bit—his ERA was like 3.6. I mean, you know, over here, if he had a 3.6 ERA, you know, he's in line for some awards. There's, yeah, he's, he's he's making 25 million a year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so after he he. Uh, had a 3.6 ERA. He made a tiny tweak to his delivery. A guy eight years into the big leagues and he makes a tweak to his delivery and then comes out and goes 14 and two with a 1.72 ERA. It was a tiny tweak. If you watch the video of it, it was, you know, he's facing the uh, catcher to start his windup and then takes from his hips up. He turns that part of his body to the right and then follows with his leg lift. Before that, he was going all in one body motion. His whole entire body would start out facing the catcher and his whole entire body, when his leg would lift up, would turn to the right. Now he started doing it in two halves, top half of the body, bottom half of the body. Um, and that's all he did just, and maybe it was a comfort thing. I don't know if it got more torque on the ball. I don't, I mean, from watching the delivery, it didn't look like things sped up or anything changed. Um, Maybe he just felt better doing that, and mm-hmm. it was a psychological thing. But, yeah, I mean, you got Brian Bannister, our director of pitching. you got uh, Andrew Bailey, our pitching coach. Now J.P. Martinez coming over, uh, assistant pitching coach. Those guys, what those guys have done, they've gotten this huge reputation for taking in pitchers to our organization and just really turning around their careers and getting them on the right path. So mm-hmm. I- I'm sure that's a gigantic pitch to Sugano, I would, I would imagine. All right, so we're going to talk
1: about a few more sort of newsy things related to the Giants, including somebody they just signed. At least I saw it about an hour and a half before we started recording. But before we do that, and and at the end of this, because of the lack of real news we're gonna we we teased this a few weeks ago uh we're gonna go over our, our top five uh, favorite baseball movies of all time so that'll, that'll be the end segment and
2: but, that was uh, difficult that was like ridiculously hard because i I, are,
1: I have like 13 yeah. or 14 that i, I was like <laughs> like i think I have my my f- one through four is really solid I don't have a real strong fifth though so all right I, there's like a bunch of them that kind of fit all together but anyways but before that uh we we
2: we didn't mention the uh the, the the adult beverage that we were drinking today so i um all right again pronunciations today I don't know why I picked this beer cause it's really hard to pronounce, but I really like it Stone Brewing Company makes the uh Let's let's call it the Joco Vesa Mm. Um, and it is an imperial stout. So it's like eight point one percent and it's inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. And my wife is a huge Mexican hot chocolate fan and she does not like beer. So I had her take a sip of this and guess what? She didn't like it, but (laughs) I like it a lot because it is stout that's brewed with chocolate, coffee, uh, pasilla peppers, vanilla cinnamon and nutmeg so it's a really it's not a it's not a beer you pour and just pound it you you pour this beer and you take a good hour just kind of sipping on the warmth of it and uh, it's not hot you don't get the hot chili from it but you do get the um you know kind of like what you do that from from uh, cooking with peppers you get kind of that uh that bitterness the the um Almost like a little bit of sweetness, but but bitterness on the back of the tongue. So, uh, I probably went into that a little bit too much, but it's good. I like it.
1: All right. So, I had mentioned that I would found a great usage for the cold brew whiskey from Jameson. Yeah. And basically, I just put it in cold coffee and, it, and it's delicious. <laughs> And so, uh, I, right before we recorded, I did my walk. I do about a three mile walk every day, and at the halfway point is the Starbucks. And so, when I uh, when I hit Starbucks, I get my iced coffee or my iced americano, turn around, and walk back. And that's kind of like my that that that's my goal is just hit the Starbucks, come back. It's about three about three point one miles, oh, that's and pretty- so now because of the the cold brew whiskey i'm like oh this is perfect like i won't even finish the the iced coffee or the iced americano but i'll just sort of put it away and then if i want to have a drink then i'll i'll put that cold brew whiskey in it except i ran out and so i was like hmm would bourbon be just as good in the iced coffee the answer is no, but it's not bad either. Uh the bourbon taste is uh a little stronger, I think. Um and it doesn't blend a- as well as that cold brew whiskey does, so the, the cuz the cold brew whiskey just makes it taste like uh, you know, coffee with uh, with just like a, a taste of uh, of alcohol with the when you, when I put the bourbon in, you can really taste the bourbon. So oh, yeah. it, it's it's okay, but it wasn't it wasn't as good. So I'm, I am gonna have to go back and buy that uh, that cold brew Jameson. So I thought I would be able to get away with it, but nope, it's not it's not gonna work out.
2: <laughs> um, I like I, you know what, and I almost did that the other day. I had a coffee, and it was uh, I think it was New Year's Eve. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and uh, San Jose State was playing. We don't need to talk about that game, but they were playing New Year's Eve and I made a coffee and almost dumped a little bourbon in it. But then I remembered that I, I really I was I had a really big beer that I was going to have for New Year's Eve. So I was like, well, oh, let's kind of save it. But uh, I have had bourbon and just regular hot coffee. That's not the best thing. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of it deadens the bourbon and just makes where, are, it where are you with like Irish coffees? You know, a good Irish coffee, I like them. Um, I, I don't mind those at all because they're made well and they got mm-hmm. the cream in them and the different stuff. But I'm talking about just like black coffee, and here's a splash of bourbon in it. Don't do that because that. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're yeah. doing that, you're you're it's because you're at work and you don't like your job. Maybe I don't know, but but the Irish coffees, yeah, I like those. I, I definitely can go for those. I have had those actually in the evening. Uh, you know, going to like a restaurant, having a really nice meal, and then afterwards getting like an Irish coffee. That, that, that's pretty good.
1: All right. So let's hit up on the other stories of the week for the Giants. And uh, the next one that we'll talk about is uh, we had the last show, we basically all we did was talk about the Padres for the, for the baseball talk. <laughs> and Andrew Baggerly interviewed... Zadie, Farhan zady about the moves and Fa- Farhan I, I'm not I was did he have a like a a heart rate like he seemed to be so chill he was like eh yeah yeah, yeah they're, they're they're those are good moves I guess yeah he's uh, like well
2: and, that, good for them
1: yeah. <laughs> and so the thing that I took away from that and I think I think this was part of Baggerly's piece is. They just the Giants just believe in their roster way more this year than they had in the last two seasons. And so, you know, the Padres kind of making that level up to compete with the Dodgers. It's the Zadies just like, yeah, okay. Like we get it. We we know the game that we're playing here, and you know, we plan to be in that game as well. And you guys just kind of beat us there, uh, maybe a year or two before, but we have a good team, too, so we're going to compete. And that's kind of what I took out of that conversation.
2: Yeah, and, and he kind of just reiterated, you know, like we've known all along we're going to stay our course. Um, they built up their minor league system, so they're able to do things like that. Uh, but we're not. We're not at that point right now. We still have a ways to go with that, um, which is fine. I, I think, you know, what we're doing is what we're doing, and it's working for now, and it's building, and you, it's kind of a slow build. Um, one thing he did mention is he pointed to the second baseman for the Padres and the center fielder for the Padres, Jake Cronenworth and uh, Trent Grisham. Those guys had seasons last year. I mean, Cronenworth was second in the voting for rookie of the year. Uh, His OPS plus was 128 last year and Grisham's was uh, 122. Well, they got both those guys and just some really minor um, kind of under the radar Uh, deals the previous offseason he looked at those and said that is what allowed them to then make these moves because now you've got a second baseman and a center fielder young under control they don't have huge salaries um and that allows them to go out and get bigger pieces. So with the Giants, they've done that over the years, and they're still kind of working on that a little bit, like Dubon, Yaz, Dickerson, Gossman, um, Vossler, who they just picked up this year from the Padres, because again, the Padres have the, apparently they have a wealth of minor leaguers. So if you mm-hmm. want to tap in and you need some minor leaguers, go check on the Padres. Cause it seems like their farm system is bursting to the point where they're just looking to get rid of guys.
1: I but was it, on a text thread. Yeah. With a Padres fan and a Cubs fan. So you could imagine how that was going. <laughs>
2: oh, God.
1: <laughs>
2: and this man feels like it feels like he's getting ripped off. Oh, but, yeah. You know, this knows? is the
1: worst thing ever. <laughs> and the Padres fan was like, oh, yeah, like we have several Better yeah. prospects than that guy.
2: Those like, guys weren't cool. going to be playing in the Padres uh, for the San Diego Padres anytime soon. Right. I mean, they've got, I mean, you've seen their lineup. Those guys, and nobody else is cracking that lineup for a little while. Maybe at first base because Hosmer's getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, Machado, you know, in a, in a few years. But, but yeah, and then to a lesser extent, I, I still want to see what Jalen Davis can do for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm still dying to see what if anything he can do for the giants um last year was just that weird year where he didn't really have anywhere to fit in. Yeah. Um, and we didn't have a minor league camp I mean, our, our minor league system. We had a minor league camp. Right. So, you know, so, so, so those types of guys, I think the giants are waiting to see, okay, what, what can we do? Who can we plug in? And we're getting these guys and we're making this happen. Then we can go out and look at like the Trevor Bowers and, and, you know, those types of players in a year or two. So it kind of leads, leads me to believe a little bit more that we may not see, Trevor Bauer in a Giants uniform this year, Uh, still not going to rule it out completely, but it doesn't really look like that's the way the Giants are going, especially with San Diego going all out. Dodgers are the uh, uh, you know i don't even like to say it, but they're the defending world chief <laughs> but but you know, you've got those two guys in front of you and you know you're fighting for a spot there aren't going to be as many playoff spots as there were last year last year was a, a, a different season so you're not going to see that again this coming season You may see one more added down the line but um, but either way, so that you know I think that's where the Giants are you know Zadu's basically saying let's we're staying the course we're doing what we're doing what we're doing what everybody else is doing is not going to affect us going forward it's not going to change our philosophy it's not going to change our course and and i like that i i appreciate that because the worst type of management the worst type of general managers in baseball or any sport are the panic type Mm -hmm. and those are the type that see like oh these guys did this shoot we better go out and get this guy then I mean if that's not if that's not your philosophy, don't go away from it. Be confident in your philosophy and stick with it and, and, and ride that out. And and I like that. I, I really like where the Giants are right now.
1: I feel like I think I think Zadie is being honest, but I also think if the Giants were competing for a playoff spot. I do think he may. I, I'm sure he has a contingency, right? If if we are here, then yeah, then then we'll we, we may give up a prospect that we wouldn't normally give up generally before the season starts. But and I think that's the right way to look at it. But you know, it, it has they have to be doing well and they have to be competing, and then and then they'll be in the mix for guys at the trade deadline or whatever. But yeah, like I think the right thing to do is to just you know when you have so much more flexibility. Um, maybe they didn't, you know, I'm sure they didn't really like a a ton of what the free agent market was this year. So you know they're they're looking to one and two years ahead as far as uh, getting into the mix on some of those guys, I think.
2: well, Especially with the, the salaries the Giants are holding on to this season. Uh, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to look at and say, well, we're we're going to make some big moves this year. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of telegraphed. <laughs> they're going to make some moves next year. Yeah, uh, they're gonna they have, have to. to. <laughs> yeah, you're going to you got to fill a roster right at some point. So, you know, and, and they, you may see them start to do that around July. They may make some moves um, for some younger guys who can fill gaps for three or four years, uh, yeah, two and you, years and you're, maybe.
1: So, And you're talking like all of a sudden Belt comes out of the gate, hitting 25 jacks come August, <laughs> and the Giants aren't in the mix. And so then maybe Belt is an attractive trade, trade piece for somebody.
2: Exactly. And and then maybe in return, the Giants are getting somebody who could start at first base right away mm-hmm. and maybe fill that spot for two seasons. Uh, somebody who's, you know, finishing out a deal, maybe, um, you know, who, whose uh, price isn't as high as Belt, but... They can still play, and you can plug them in at first base until you find a permanent solution and and whatnot, you know, different. Second base, uh, a couple holes around the infield that are going to be... I mean, Solano's not going to get any younger. He's he's up there uh, already, even though he's playing great baseball, but he blossomed late. He's not going to be there forever, so they're going to have to start looking at at second base. They're going to have to start kind of punching around different positions. And and like I said, next year, they're going to have to go out and get a lot of people, so...
1: So you're saying that in a few years, Donnie may be missing the barrel.
2: It, there's a good possibility. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a good possibility. I forgot how old he is. He's probably, I think he's 32, 33 right yeah, now. Yeah, something like that. I call that old. I'm almost 40. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so
1: uh, right before we jumped on and got and, and busted out our microphones, the uh, the Giants signed someone who is going to compete for the backup catcher spot. Uh, Kurt Casali, who is a Bay Bay Area native, he was signed to a one year deal that will pay him one point five million. And according to Alex Pavlovich, he believes that it immediately makes him the front runner to back up Buster Posey. And uh, so, I mean, that that is meaningful because of two things. One, we 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 thought this already, but Joey Bart's gonna start in in the minors. and secondly uh Chadwick Trump who they brought back uh he is he, he's gonna be competing for this spot i'm I'm assuming but if he doesn't get this spot i, I don't I don't know what his um As far as going back to the miners and all that, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that looks like for him. But uh, we had thought that, oh, you know, they're bringing back Trump to to back up Buster. But this looks like. They, they they wanted someone to compete with Trump and and maybe uh, Casali actually looks like he's a he's a pretty good big leaguer uh, in in this role and I, I based on what I what I see as far as his statistics and and what he did last year you know three sixty six on base slugged five hundred in uh, in thirty one appearances six jacks in seventy six abs.
2: Well, you remember you remember when you were younger and and. You'd find a player that you really liked, uh, and you'd hoard that baseball card. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, and just be like go to the baseball card store. I'm going to get. He's a rookie. Maybe he's going to be great. I'm going to get like you know. 40 of his cards because yeah. only 25 cents right now the giants hoard catchers <laughs> that that's what they do they go out and i don't blame them because i mean there's a market for that so they're playing the stock market kind of so i i, I always like when the giants pick up a catcher because i go hey you can never have enough because you get into camp and you you need catchers in camp anyways you got you got uh split squad games you got so many minor uh, so many uh spring training games that you've got to have like four or five five catchers anyways uh, and Bart's gonna be in minor league or in uh, spring training and and so um, but but then when you get to the end of it <clears throat> you get to the end of spring training there's always that okay we got this catcher this is our starter Buster Posey this is our backup so let's say it's Trump or it's Casale well either one the other guy might go down to the minors, but it's also a nice little trade piece so mm-hmm. if all of a sudden you need a left-handed pitcher in the bullpen with some experience, well, great. Here's a catcher with some experience because, uh, cause Sally has played since 2014, came up with the Rays 2014, 15, 16, 17 with the Rays three years with the, um, with the Reds. He's got 328 games under his belt. So that that's nice to have that. So when, when you get to the end of spring training, say he rakes in, in spring training, but Trump is playing out of his mind in the Giants go, well, it's a major league deal. We can't send Casali back down, so well, let's trade him. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do. So I, I think they did that a couple years ago, too. It's it's just always one of those nice things to kind of have in your back pocket. Uh, you just, you really can never have enough catchers. So it'll be a nice, healthy backup catcher competition. Uh, maybe push uh, Trump just a little bit, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the, the Giants have uh bart they have bailey so they have people coming up we know that buster's not going to play every game behind the dish he'll probably play 60 percent of the games behind the dish or maybe even less than that he'll they'll move him around he'll play some first and and stuff so flexibility will be uh, will be really good for them there all right so let's actually get to uh the end part of this conversation which is we are going to talk about our favorite baseball movies you know what I was thinking about is, like, next year and the year after, if we're still doing this podcast and there's, like, slow weeks and we've already done our favorite baseball movies, <laughs> like, like, we're going to have to come up with some, uh, two, two and three years from now, we're going to have to come up with some crazy topics to, to keep this thing uh, from being, like, just a 25-minute podcast.
2: Well, and you know what, the fun thing we talked about, and, and, we, and we kicked around this idea and we thought about doing it, too, we're going to find some good classic Giants games? Yeah. Um, if, you, if you search around to YouTube, you can find classic Giants games from the 80s, 90s, 2000s. We might even have like a, you know, kind of like a virtual watch party. Like, you know, we'll watch the game. And then we'll we'll throw it up on our Facebook page. Our Twitter page will link to it. You guys can watch it, too, beforehand. And then we'll talk about it. You know, we'll talk about that game. We'll kick around. You can ask us questions about it, throw out topics about the game uh, that you want to hear us talk about. And, we'll, and, you know, we'll kick around these games. because. The off season is long and it's really <laughs> in the last few years, the moves don't happen until like February or March. So, it, you know, it it does happen. But but again, it's baseball. There's always something going on every week in baseball. That's just kind of how it is, which is Major League uh,
1: Baseball beautiful. thinks that they're going to start spring training on time. So That's that is in about a month <laughs> or so, uh, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a, a few more weeks. But uh, but if that I mean, if that happens, then then there, there will be all the news. There will be. All right. So let's talk about our favorite movies. We decided to go five instead of three. And I thought that would give us a little bit more variation. I, like I said, I have four strong. I have my one, two, three, and four very strong. The five spot for me is a little harder to pick. Um, I'll, I'll walk you through sort of my thought process here. For Love for the Love of the Game might be more of a like rom-com or not even a rom-com but like a, it, it's 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 almost just as much a love story as it is a movie about baseball. So I don't know Uh, I like that movie. I don't know if I would consider it the greatest baseball film, though. I really liked the baseball scenes because you got Kevin Costner and Vince Gully.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, was that the, and you're going to have to remind, I mean, there's so many baseball movies out there. You're going to have to remind me who was in it and what, around what year it was. Cause I, I mean, there's been so many movies that I've watched um, baseball movies that I go, Oh, that was awesome. And I never went back to it. And, there are some sacrilegious, I know, but there are some baseball movies that I have not seen. Yeah. I mean, how can you see all, I mean, just, you know, but it's not like I, I used to, that's what I used to live for and just do it just like, Hey, a baseball movie's out. I'm going to go see the, this baseball movie. But then it got to a certain point where I just kind of stopped, but,
1: but there were also some really bad ones. Remember the, the babe with John Goodman <laughs> yes. playing Babe Ruth, like stuff like that was just really bad. And you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, what's the other one? Um, what is the one with Tom Selleck?
2: Oh, uh, Mr. Baseball. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mr. Like that <laughs> like that had its moments, but overall, well, I wouldn't consider it a great m- baseball movie. Right. So there's like ones where there's certain things I like. Like I, sometimes I like the baseball. Like, oh, Tom Selleck looks like he can actually hit a fastball. Kevin Costner looks like he knows how to throw. Yeah. Like those things work. John Goodman? Mm, I- <laughs> I I don't think you know, I don't think he could go and and come on the semi pro field with us and, and do much.
2: And, and the guy who played uh, Roger Dorn uh, and yeah, Corbin Burnson. Corbin Burnson sure as hell did not look like he could play baseball. <laughs> uh
1: okay, so so I'll talk you through it. So okay, so here here's my thought process. The natural people like the natural a lot more than I like the natural. I'm I think,
2: with you on that.
1: I think part of that for me is um, Robert Redford is like 45 years old playing like a young person's game. So that that throws me off a little bit. Um, a fun younger movie for for more of a kiddie movie. A little Big League, where the kid inherits the team and he plays a general manager for the
2: twins. That's a great film.
1: That's a really, really fun one, but it is also a little kiddy. It's a little... It's not a Disney movie, but it's a little Disney. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be my pick. It's it's between two. I'll actually skip. I'll, I'll save those two for last. Um, the Sandlot. I've already told you the Sandlot is not my thing. It's more... The generation younger than me or the people who are like five to 10 younger, years younger than me, that's their movie. And it was too kiddie for me when it first came out. Uh, there's, there's, uh, the rookie, uh, with, uh, I think it is, is it Dennis Quaid where he plays the, yes. the real story uh, of the guy who, who was the left-hander, who was a teacher. And then, uh, he figured out that he could still throw in the high nineties. And I think he pitched for the Rays uh, sometime in like the nineties or something. And that's one I haven't seen, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's, you no know, it's, a it's good. It's you should see it. Your, your, uh, daughters would really like it too.
2: I think that is on Disney Plus. Mm -hmm.
1: Definitely. Uh, Rookie of the Year, which is uh, the kid who plays for the Cubs and he's got like this super arm, and then he loses the super arm at some point. And uh, that was always. Again, too young for me. That's uh, Uh,
2: Henry Rowengardner. There you go. It was the kid's name in the movie. There you go. There you go. Uh, A fun one, only because you get to see Tony Danza
1: play baseball. (laughs) Angels in the Outfield, Danny Glover, Tony Danza. It's fun, not
2: great. Uh, And there was a sequel. Was there? Angels in the Infield. Oh my God. With Patrick Warburton. And you know Putty from uh, Seinfeld, mm-hmm. yeah, two thousand that film came. Wow. out. I never watched it. I'm just letting you know it's out there, so don't go watch it. And then the
1: last one before I bring up the two that I think uh, I may chicken out and say that tie for fifth, but <laughs> uh, Jackie the uh, uh, the the movie with. Um, Chadwick Boseman playing Jackie Robinson.
2: Oh right, I Harrison, think Harrison Ford's
1: in it as well. Oh, that was called yeah, yeah, forty two. Yep, uh, there was that another movie, movie called Jackie, but yeah, that movie is pretty good. It's a little disnified as well, um, but I it, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, like that was solid, but it wasn't one of my favorites. <laughs> so now we're, gonna, we're going down to to the two that I'm. Figuring out for the five spot, Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Mm, I have not seen that. Very interesting movie. It's not something that I could pop on and just fall right into it. Like I have (laughs) to have like the right mind to watch this movie. And then the Bad News Bears, which you kind of can pop in at any point and watch the Bad News Bears. I will probably lean Bad News Bears here just because I think that movie is sort of timeless. And, um, you know, if you go back and watch it, it's the 70s, which is quite different than uh, than where we live, what we live in today. And yeah, um, who is uh, the woman, the, the, the young woman who plays the pitcher who uh, eventually this? Uh, no, the one who marries uh, John John McEnroe. Oh, oh, what is her name? But but she's in it. Um,
2: uh it, no. no, no, I don't know.
1: Uh, let's see. What is her name? Gosh, Tatum O'Neill. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, My Tatum bet. O'Neill. So I'm going to lean bad news bears as my number five. What is your number five?
2: Well, I'm going to use the same. I'm going to kind of go through a couple ones. I didn't go with, I'm same with you on natural, uh, the natural. I was 11 when that movie came out, it was a little too serious for me. Uh, I probably watch it now and I'm sure I would love it. I haven't watched it in years. Um, Tiger Town, we touched on this earlier. That's the
1: one I I should have added to my list because I probably watched Tiger Town a hundred times when I was a kid.
2: That one came out in 1983, so I was 10. Roy Scheider of Jaws fame. Uh, He played an aging Tigers player. Um, uh, This boy and his dad, it's a Disney movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, This boy and his dad used to go to the games at Old Tiger Stadium, and his dad passes away, and then the kid goes and... Uh, kind of uses telepathy to help, you know, this his, older his, Roy Scheider.
1: He, 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 he
2: prays, basically. Yeah, he pre- <laughs> pretty much. He has telepathy. So <laughs> you can call it what you want. But he, he closes his eyes and, and just squeezes really hard, and Roy Scheider hits home runs. Yep. And all of a sudden starts having his uh, comeback season for the ages. So yep. uh, a fun movie. A really fun movie, 1983. Uh, Bad News Mer- Bears I had on there. again. That came out when I was three. So by the time I got to watch it, it was still like, okay, you know, I'm playing little league, mm-hmm. and uh, our coaches are drinking beer, and so, <laughs> and so is uh, you know uh, the coach uh, Buttermaker for mm-hmm, the uh, mm-hmm. Bad News Bears. He's drinking beer too, so I kind of connected. I kind of got that. Didn't hit my top five, and then and then you know you knew I was going to go way back, right? Like yes, way back. All right, 1949. Take Me Out to the Ball Game, musical with Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly. I had to throw that one in there because it's a fun movie. (laughs) Some good songs in it. There's dancing. It's a baseball movie, but there's singing and dancing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, take her for what it's worth. It's it's a fun movie. Uh, So my number five, you hit on it, Little Big League. Mm -hmm. I could watch that movie once a year. No problem. Uh the the kid who takes over the team. Yes, it is a little bit kiddie, but if you watch it, there's a lot of like grown-up nuances to mm-hmm. it that kind of almost takes it to like the PG thirteen uh major league uh level of movie. Um he takes over the team. Uh, Dennis Farina plays an awesome pissed off manager mm-hmm. at the beginning, and then he fires him and becomes a manager of the team. And what was he like 13, 14 years yeah. old? <laughs> so he's got to interact with all these guys, and it's There's it's like just real fantastic. big leaguers in that in that yeah yeah that that's right. There were uh, Teddy Higuera, I believe, was in it. Um, a couple other guys I can't remember at the time, but but fun fun you know because it happens in the uh, in the in the Metrodome uh, for the Minnesota because he takes over the twins. So, th- so that's my number five. I, I had to go with that one because it kind of has a special place in my heart because I, I do watch it almost yearly.
1: All right. So let's go to number four for me. And this movie I saw on a, a on a sneak preview. So it hadn't even come out yet. I think it's probably the Wednesday before it comes out. My dad somehow got some tickets to a sneak preview and we went to see a league of their own Ooh,
2: nice.
1: and a league of their own on the surface because of the time you're like what women playing baseball what's going on here like i don't remember I, so i didn't know this story of um uh, of the time when you know a lot of the baseball players were at war and and, and there are some women's leagues popping up and Uh, Gina Davis is uh, it really made me sad when I realized that, you know, she was just a good actress and probably not a a good baseball player. But Tom Hanks is in is in the movie. Um, Just really good performances, uh, memorable performances, Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna. Uh, And, you know, I ultimately... One of my favorite lines from a sports movie comes from this movie, which is when Tom Hanks' character uh, is explaining why something hard is is worth it. You know, he's saying that you know the hard is what makes it great. Like, you shouldn't be afraid of something because it's hard. And so, I, I always like that line. But you know, re- really fun movie, good like little historical piece, and very charming. Um, who plays the announcer? Uh, what is the guy's name that plays the announcer in this movie? Um, Saturday Night Live guy. Oh, uh, John Lovitz. John Lovitz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's pretty much, he's like the narrator, essentially. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really like this movie. It. I didn't like it as much when I was younger and saw it until I got a little bit older, and I really understood, you know, the time frame. And, and you know, when you're like, i don't know when this movie came out but i'm probably a teenager i maybe played against one girl in my whole little league career and so and then you th- and then you think about it like you know there are many uh many young girls who would play little league if they weren't steered towards something else i know your daughters you know played t-ball and then whatever the next levels were after that and it just made it kind of makes you think like oh yeah you know if if, if some of the young women were kind of geared towards hardball, then you, we would have played against more of them. But, you know, they're geared towards softball or other sports, non-contact sports, or whatever. But, you know, I've seen over the years, I've seen some, uh, some really decent women, uh, you know, or young girl baseball players over the years.
2: Well, and the fun thing is, and, and by the way, I have that at number four also. Um, just, just such a great all around movie. I was 19 when it came out, went to the theater. Saw. So I just fell in love with it. The whole concept of the movie to basically be a documentary almost for this women's league from, from the 40s. Uh, it, it was just fantastically made. Such a good movie. Um, you know, I, I hate to say that Tom Hanks stole it because there are so many great actors and actresses in it. Uh, and, and the movie was, was basically about this women's league. So he didn't really steal the movie for me um, because I loved the baseball action. Um, the, you know, the gamesmanship with the women on the field. I thought it was just it was just put together really well. But um, speaking of that, you know, so, so you were talking about my daughters. So, they started in little league here in Reno, and uh, I it was I, I I coached 15 years of little league. My nephew back in the Bay Area, all, all over the place, and so I started coaching my daughters. And then what I realized was that the boys were a little um, at, at that age. You're talking about you know. Eight, six, seven, eight years old, the boys wanted more than anything to take off everybody's hats and throw them in the garbage can and you know, <laughs> to make the fart noises and do all the other stuff that they wanted to do. And the girls were like, what do we do next? Do, you know, can we take round balls now? Can we do this? Can we do that? But that's just how girls are at that age. They're more like, let's just play. We're here to play. So I ended up, um, when my oldest turn, I believe it was eight or nine, I started an all girls baseball team Mm -hmm. at our, our, our little league at Washoe little league.
1: Was not it, it hard politically to get that started?
2: No, not at all. Actually, somebody had done it before us, um, and then it was defunct for about two years. And then I brought it back. They were the Pink Angels. And I said, well, I'm bringing them back, but we're the Pink Giants. Mm-hmm. I said, you, you understand? We have to be the Giants. There's no mm-hmm. other way. And they go, well, the Pink Angels kind of plays off the whole. I said, no, we're Giants fans. We're the Pink Giants. That's what we're mm-hmm. going with. So the, so the league actually did it for us, and it was fantastic. We got all the girls at that level. And there were a lot, there are a lot of girls that play little league nowadays, which is great. And so I'm still waiting to see some in high school. And, you know, I, I understand softball is different, blah, blah, blah. I coached in softball. It's not the same game. It's frustrating. Um, it's just not it's too slow it's not baseball uh, so so I'm waiting to see more girls get into high school baseball I would absolutely love to see that because uh, they have the ability it's there and it's just got to give them a chance but but so I took this pink Giants team and we did that for a couple of years and 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 after games we would Beat the boy teams so bad that after games the boy teams would be crying, <laughs> and it, so it was like lessons learned. You know, if you if you go up against a tough team, you have to learn how to stand your ground. And you play and then give them props, you know, because these girl teams, I'm telling you, every girl that I ever coached, except for my own daughters, because, you know, your own kids don't listen to you. All the other girls on the team would listen to me and and would really try their hardest. And they wanted to put everything into it and they wanted to be good. That's all they wanted to do is they wanted to do something and be good at it. And they had fun, you know, so so that was the fun thing. But anyways, that kind of plays off of a league of our own. I always had a good time doing that and I miss it
1: and you know failed to mention this but penny marshall directs the movie so right. you know just somebody who you know when we're growing up like she's in our lives in laverne and shirley and right. um just comes from a, a a very uh talented family and then she's behind uh, behind the director's lens with this one so all right so now let's get to number three for me which is um the, the, so these next three films depending on, on the time of day, I, I may have one of them exactly. at one and one of them at three. But uh, as I was thinking about this, uh, I've bull Durham at three. I imagine this is on your list too.
2: That's my number three. <laughs> so, and like you said too, I, I'm, I'm sure it's this, the next three of yours are the same three as mm-hmm. mine that could go in any one, two or three position. Mm-hmm.
1: So bull Durham, uh, the story of uh, the Durham bulls, Kevin Costner, uh, minor league uh you know the minor league baseball story and the thing that i really liked about this movie is it seemed now i don't know we, we we've read books on the minor leagues and on baseball clubhouses it just seemed real like it seemed there were there was enough goofy stuff with tim robbins and susan sarandon and he's wearing her her uh garter or whatever underneath his baseball and he's, you know, looking to the heavens like Fernando Valenzuela. It's just, there's just quirky enough stuff to where you're like, oh, I bet you they got that from like a real story, a real uh, a real minor league story. And Ron Shelton, the director, I want to say he played minor league baseball as well. So he has the experience of uh, uh, of some of these things that, that are in the movie. But I didn't watch this one until a little bit later, so I believe it's 1988, so I'd have been 12. I probably didn't watch it, like, I, I don't, you know, my I wouldn't have gone to see the movies, uh, see this at the movies, but I would probably say, like, you know, 1990, around that time is when I would have saw it for the first time on cable, and just, like, Really funny. It's a little bit more adult than uh, you know than the other movies. Though uh, one of my Major League, which is going to be on your list, is is very adult as well. Um, But yeah, just uh, there's a love story there. There's like a love triangle story. The baseball seems legitimate. You have the line about you know sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains. Just really, really good stuff. And I, I was not not to say that we needed. A sequel but I would have always I would have loved to see what the follow-up story could be does you know does Nuke Lelouch become like a 20 game winner in the big leagues and all of a sudden you know uh Crash Davis and Annie Savoy they're you know they live happily ever after. like or does you know Coster's like oh, I get it, gotta give it one last try and you know whatever that story was uh, I was always interested in where they would have possibly taken it. Not that not that they had to make it, but I always kind of wondered about their lives. What happened after this movie?
2: I always thought a, a, a good sequel, and again, yeah, I, I do have that in number three as well, but I always thought a good sequel for that was Crash Davis, you know, years later, toiling in the miners as a manager, mm-hmm. having to deal with the call-ups and the send-downs and the... Um, politics of being a triple a manager or double a manager where it's not about winning it's about developing these guys and uh he just wants to get to the majors he wants to be a major league manager so Mm -hmm. he could just do one thing and that's just win and win boach boach exactly so i
1: so i always thought that would be even though even though boach was a big leaguer but yeah he boach did manage in the minors
2: he was a big leaguer but he wasn't you know an all-star big leaguer yeah, should we say yeah yeah
1: <laughs> um, yeah no really really good movie okay number 2 for me um, so the, my last two films are major league and field of dreams yeah. um, i'm an, I, I i will have major league at number 2 it is a classic we mentioned it when we were talking about the indians you 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 thought you know the nickname of the of the cleveland indians should have to do with this movie and so you know that's how much of an impact it made for you it's like yeah let's we're going to name the cleveland baseball team over a fictitious movie that was about this cleveland baseball team but this movie's hilarious i think more so than anything um, it just made baseball seem really, really cool. And not ba- baseball was always sort of seen as like, oh, America's pastime, but it wasn't a sport that necessarily um, re- really was responsive to young people. But when you had the individuality, of wild thing where he's got the you know the stuff in his head and and the the you know the haircut and and the fastball and, and and the biker jacket and all that stuff and willie mays hayes and just the personalities like i thought it really made baseball seem like such a cool sport and when you and i are growing up you know we're playing baseball so we kind of have tunnel vision but a lot of our friends didn't necessarily see baseball as being a cool sport it was a little hard. It was a little slow, and it wasn't like sexy enough to be like, "Oh, I really want to play baseball." But this movie made it seem like the greatest sport.
2: Yeah, and and I do. Yeah, I've got it at number two, and then uh, I have the same number one <laughs> as, as well. <laughs> but we're of that era, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So when you look at it, there were a ton of um, ton of movies early. 30s 40s 50s then around the 60s and 70s it kind of baseball movies kind of died out and then all of a sudden they made this resurgence in the 80s and 90s and came back with full force when you if you just google list of baseball movies and then go to wikipedia to see the list of them there are a lot of movies about baseball because it's the national pastime Mm -hmm. it is slow there are a lot of conversations that happen on the field, in the dugout, in the stands. Uh, Brockmeyer, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Brockmire. Oh, yeah. That's an awesome example. Of I have a- to
1: watch the last season. I didn't okay. realize there was a last season when I watched it the first time.
2: I'm I'm rewatching the whole thing again just because I love it so much. Uh, Hank Azaria is is just awesome in anything he does. It's extremely vulgar, extremely <laughs> dirty. Uh, so just be forewarned before you dive into Brock Meyer. But it is it is really good. Joe Buck makes some appearances. Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's it's a lot of fun, and that's what baseball is. Baseball is fun. It's bizarre. The again the. Can't even imagine some of the uh, conversations in the dugout. So when I saw major league, I thought, wow, I really connect with this because Mm -hmm. I was a sophomore in high school, uh, just finishing up my sophomore year playing ball. Um, And this was a lot of kind of what went on. Again, at the high school level, uh, conversations and slowness and that camaraderie of teammates. And then we would finish a game when we'd all go out together. Um, It was just really a tight knit group. If you've ever been on a baseball team, it's always a very tight knit group. You got the couple guys who just you don't get along with or whatever but they always seem to kind of hang out with you too. Everybody just hung out. So I think when major league came out, uh, I went to the theater to see it and I saw it a couple times. Cause I was just, man, this just blows me away. I, I really connected with it and felt like every character, every type of character. And it was just a lot of fun. Major league two also wasn't horrible, it was yeah. fun. But then back the, the, to the problem. The
1: problem is, is no Wesley Snipes
2: exactly. Omar they Epps. The character.
1: Is, is, yeah, because they couldn't get Wesley. He he became a little big time. You know, oh, big time. Did did a movie called White Man Can't Jump, uh, <laughs> or, uh, and and so, um, so okay, so here here's what also relates to this movie for me. Uh, 1988, a book called Baseball Confidential comes out. And this book is about the little secrets, the game behind the game, the, 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 you know, kind of like the the psychology, the little um, reasons why these guys are are upset at each other, stealing strikes, you know, it it ain't cheating if you don't get caught. So this book (laughs) comes out. And I loved this book. I mean, I I remembered the title of it. And this book is like, you know, 30 some odd years old. Um, But it's right around that same time. So Major League comes out and it's almost like, oh, like there's even a little bit more of, you know, what happens. Bull Durham the same way. Right. They're telling you you know, you, you only know what, you know, here's a little bit of insight into what really goes on. So I love stuff like that. Yeah. And so this fit right at the same time frame for me uh, of my kind of just my curiosity about the game. I, I just want every, I just wanted to know so much about pro sports back then, but baseball was always the, the mysterious one, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and, and it's because there's not that, connection so much from the 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 stands to the field uh, i mean cuz what's going on in the stands is completely 100% different than what's going on in the dugout and that that's what's always kind of Made me smile when I remember my years of playing baseball and, you know, like you and I, we played men's league and semi pro and all this stuff. And and there was always that disconnection. Like you were in the dugout and you were in a completely different world. You, You had no idea what was going on anywhere else. You were in the dugout, hanging out, watching the game. Just you know, bullcrapping about what was going on out there and what was going on after the game or before the game, and you know, it, it was just it was a completely different world. So that that was the always the fun thing about baseball. There's some really good baseball books too. We should do uh, yeah, baseball totally. books one of these days. Totally. All
1: right. The, so the our, both of our number one. So our top uh, our top four was absolutely the same. <laughs> uh, but 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 it, it's it's Field of Dreams, and here's my question to you.
2: Yes you does did your dad play baseball as well he did uh he played at the now defunct uh sunnyvale high school um so he was a sunnyvale jet he played two years but in that time that was hmm, early 60s so when he after his sophomore year he had to get a job um, and went to work with his uh, with his dad. No, I'm, I'm sorry, that was the 50s actually. So I went to work with his dad. Uh, so he he only played the two years, but he did coach me in oh, four or five years of little league baseball.
1: So when it comes to this movie, did you both relate to it in the way that you were meant to relate to this movie? Like, because because the way that this movie is set up. It is literally meant for you to be uh, to to have this relationship to the person who taught you baseball. It doesn't only have to be your dad. Just like Kevin Costner's character and his dad. Like there's this there's this scene where they're playing catch, and it feels like everybody who was taught baseball by their dad, like really really just relates to this scene.
2: You know. My dad is a great man. He doesn't have a lot to say. (laughs) So (laughs) now he does. He's been retired for years. Now we can sit down and have a beer and, and, you know, shoot the, shoot the stuff for hours. No problem. But back then when it came out, uh, he was working. He didn't have a lot to say. Uh, what was that? 1989. So no, I was, I was 16. Um, you know, we, we didn't see it together, but I did, I did feel that, you know, I personally felt that connection. I was like, you know what? As I was 16 years old playing high school baseball, I remembered my dad took the time to teach me baseball took the time to coach my little league teams mm-hmm. uh for so many years and so that was the connection i had i you know i've never i've never honestly asked him about it mm-hmm. um so that may be something after a couple of bourbons i <laughs> yeah.
1: i throw it out there and see what he thinks now <laughs> send it send you send him a text or, or something yeah, tonight. exactly
2: um okay so he doesn't even s- text so i don't even know if i can do
1: that well you gotta text your mom <laughs> all right so here's here's my second question now both of your daughters played. Do they have a connection with that movie or is that movie just too old for them?
2: We have. You know what? I have not showed them that movie yet. Um, they're 14 and 12 now. I It is on my list because it is one of my f- top five films of all time. Um, so I will definitely be showing them that. Uh, fairly soon. I would probably this season even. Um, so I'll have to ask them afterwards, but that is a good question. Yeah,
1: because I wonder, what I wonder is if you'll get the same connection with them because though that that movie clearly makes it about uh, a son and his father, right. I think the connection to baseball and child and parent I think I think it's all in the same like just it's just so it's just so that Kevin Costner's character, you know, related to his dad. But I think no matter the gender, if you like baseball, somebody taught it to you and you relate to that movie and you think of the person who taught it to you.
2: Exactly. And. I would imagine definitely my older one, she played the most amount of baseball and softball. My younger one played two years. That was it for her. Then she did soccer and and then that was it for her. She's more of, she's very artsy. She loves to draw and paint. She is fantastic with that. Loves to make music. Um, So I think the older one will probably feel that connection because she hasn't played, her last year of softball was about three years ago but to this day she still asks me on the weekends every now and then hey let's bring a bucket out there and uh let's go hit and let's go play catch and do stuff so that's still pretty much a a huge connection for for me and the older one
1: well i um you know i i've i've seen that movie a bunch of times i forget the name of the book there uh the the there, there was a book, it was a novel, that F- Field of Dreams was then created um, after. And well, the,
2: I, the main character's name in the movie, Kevin Costner, is Ray Kinsella. Yeah. W.P. Kinsella is the writer of the book, and it's called Shoeless Joe. There you go. Yeah. And I have that book and I've read that, I don't know, three, four times probably. Um, Great book. But yeah, it was. So he used his last name as the main character um, in the movie as well.
1: Yeah. So I've read it as well, but I actually read it. So the book is Shoeless Joe. Then when the movie came out, they published a version of it as the field of dreams, like whatever. Uh, So um, but overall, like that it, it's so weird because from like an like like a minute by minute if you were to compare um major league and bull Durham are more entertaining minute by minute cuz that's how that movie is built filled of dreams very much like baseball it is yeah. a little <laughs> slower they're really selling you you know the james earl jones character uh terrence what what is the author's name
2: uh oh uh yeah uh <laughs> I can't think of his name at yeah, the moment. Yeah, uh,
1: you you pulled you pulled WP Kinsella right out of your <laughs> rear end. So I was hoping you were going to say here. man. There, there, there you yes, go. There you go. Uh but but it is it, it's a slow ride and then when it hits like you just sort of go okay now I get what this movie is about. But it it takes you it takes you a little while to get there. So that's that's what I like about that movie. But that's another one where it doesn't really matter what scene that uh, if I'm changing the channel, I'll I'll stick with it because I'm like, oh my gosh, like you know, I, this is not a movie that they play on TV all the time either,
2: right? And and uh, you can never forget too the uh, the the cameo of uh, Doctor Archibald Moonlight Graham, Graham. the uh, Bert, Bert Lancaster. That yep. was fantastic. But yeah. yeah, it's not it's not one of those movies that you sit down and you're like, hey, let's get entertained. Let's just uh, let's laugh and have a good time. No, it's. <laughs> It's deep. There's a you gotta lot. You got to be ready.
1: You got to be ready for it, too. You're going to get exactly. in your feelings a little bit.
2: Yeah. And the, and the little girl choking on the hot dog. I mean, mm-hmm. all those things, you're just like, it's it's, it's a heavy movie. Um, it's rated PG. It's, a, you know, about an hour and 45 minutes. But that hour and 45 minutes, when you're done, you're like, wow. Yeah. There was a lot going on there. But it did take there, a there, while. There's to one through.
1: flaw in this movie, though. What's that? Which, which is Shoeless Joe Jackson hitting right-handed.
2: Oh, that's right! <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> that. I remember when that came out; that was kind of a big deal. Everybody was like, "Hey, hang on a second!" <laughs> I yeah. completely forgot about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that is the one flaw, but overall, uh, it's the best. It's it's my favorite one still. Um, all right. So next week. If there are not uh, if there's not a lot of news we're going to have to come up with something else. Um may- maybe we should just talk about Brockmare cuz Brockmare
2: is really good. At- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, we should have some news on Sagano. Yes. Whether he's with us or not or back in Japan. I mean, we'll we we'll, we should know that by next week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that that'll be good and then, you know, we're getting we like I said we're getting a little closer to uh, spring training and uh, I think as far as i think i'm most interested i obviously interested in in the big league team but because we didn't have a minor league system i want to see where they put these guys Uh, Where's Lucky Luciano going to start? Is he going to start in High A ball, and then you know they're going to try to move him along quickly? Where's Where's uh, Bailey going to start? You know a lot of a lot of their young pitching. Kind of just wondering like where you know how quickly they want to move these guys through the system because obviously. The, the the more quickly they move them through the system, I think the more attractive they will be as uh, as pieces for other teams. Should the Giants start, you know, looking for for bigger and better players on, on the trade level, uh, you know, you can't just sit a guy in single A for three years because you haven't had time with him you you want you know other teams want to okay how does he adjust to this pitching and how does he adjust you you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago and we broke down the minor league system you know how does he adjust when when he goes up that next level in in pitching so th- i think that's going to be so important is just to see how quickly they move some of these guys through cuz you know obviously we want to see joy bart hit 300 and, and hit 20 jacks in triple a <laughs> for half the season and then come up right cuz they're going to have to move guys up too so that, oh, yeah. That 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 I, I'm so interested in in how they're going to uh, in spring training who who kind of comes up and then all and then. When the season starts i'm so interested in you know who's who's in double a who's in triple a so
2: well and and i'm uh you know like seven miles away from our triple a stadium are they gonna have triple a baseball you know with the reno aces which is the diamondbacks triple a club are they gonna have games can they have games i mean are you just gonna do games without crowds okay you know if that happens that happens cool at least get these guys some reps Mm -hmm. Um, you know but but again it all totally depends on how this all shakes out so yeah
1: all right so we'll be be back next week and uh for brad i'm double g we'll see when we see
0: you peace out peace everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time